In November of 2007, a cry reverberated across North America when one of the most renowned pastors said, we made a mistake. Pastor Bill Hybels, who started a church, he started small, and before long, he had 10,000 members. It seems as if this is a successful church, a successful movement. And so Pastor Hybels decided that he would take a survey. And so he sent a survey out to his church members. He wanted to find out if the way they had been doing church was working. Now you say, why would he ask that question? I mean, after all, his church grew from about 40 members to 10,000. It seems as if it was working. But what he wanted to know was, did it help you, the way that we've been doing church, did it help you become closer to God? Did it help you become more loving and kind? Did it help you in your home with your spouse and with your children to show the spirit of compassion and love and sensitivity? That's what he wanted to know. He was very surprised. See, he thought he was going to be able to give a different report. That's why he did the survey. But the survey in turn showed that the way they had been doing church had not helped the people to become closer to God. It had not helped them in their marriage relationships. The way that they had been doing church had not helped them to show love in the family circle with their spouses and with their children. And he came after that survey. His heart was burdened. And he had to come out and confess to America, we made a mistake. He said we should have been teaching people that the the, the simple disciplines of prayer, Bible study, and witnessing, witnessing was what we were supposed to be teaching them. That's what we were supposed to be telling them. But instead, we were big on programs. For everything, there was a program. There was a book written. You know, you can find so many seminars and and so many books. There's a book on on how to stay married. There's a book on how to uh, get married. There's a book on how to raise your children, and and, and there's a book on how to handle your finances, and there's a book on everything, when everything that we need is right here. He said, we made a mistake. And incidentally, that is the title of my sermon today. We made a mistake. For we too have been teaching and preaching something other than the simple, the old, old story from the old, old book. Sometimes we are a little heavy on the do's and the don'ts. That we forget the relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's look at our text, Luke chapter 10. A very familiar story. Mary and and her sister Martha 
having a little spat about what's important and what's not. Let's take a look at it. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Jesus visits the home of Mary and Martha, as he often did. And it says in my version, the Good News translation, yes, it's a Catholic translation, but it's okay. You see, it, it's, some people just buy the book. It, it's got to be King James. No, I know when this is wrong. There are some places I've X'd out and cro- crossed it out and I put it. But see, if you know the word, if you know God, you're familiar with the spirit, and you know the word, you know when it's, but I need something that's easy reading. So if you don't mind, I'm going to read from this translation, the Good News Catholic translation. As Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him in her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat down at the feet of the Lord and listened to his teaching. Martha was upset over all the work she had to do, so she came and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Sounds familiar, ladies. Tell her to come and help me. The Lord had to get her her straight, he says. Martha, Martha. Now, he could have said it once, but he said it twice because he, what, what, what follows Martha, Martha is very important. You are worried and troubled over so many things, but just one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the right thing, and it will not be taken away from her. So here in this passage of Scripture, we see service being compared with worship. Now, you say it's not good to compare things, but this is not my word. I didn't say this. He says that Mary has chosen what is better. See, Mary had had a different type of experience with Jesus than Martha had had. Does it mean that we don't have service in church? I mean, the church cannot operate without having service, you know, without having Sabbath school and women's ministry. It can't operate without it. But we must understand that it has its place. In the Old Testament, God said to Moses in the book of Exodus, I believe, uh, forget the chapter, but he said to Moses, let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Listen to me now. That I may dwell among them. Then it was okay to say, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Because the presence of the Lord was being housed in the tabernacle, was it not? The Ark of the Covenant, it represented the presence of God. Because Christ had not come. So it was okay to say, uh, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. But now we are in the New Testament Christ has come, and if you remember, when he died on the cross, that veil in the temple, that tabernacle, was split, symbolizing that his presence was no longer in that temple. So I need you to understand that the Spirit of God does not live in temples of brick and stone. He now lives in temples of flesh and bone. And so it's okay to sing those songs, but when we sing them, we must understand that it's not talking about 
this place. It's talking about this place. So get it straight. You know how during MV, when I was growing up uh, at Shiloh with uh, Greg Robinson and his brother Benny Robinson and um, Pat and Cassandra and Joni, those two sisters of, of Gregory Robinson who, had, who are resting, waiting for the Lord to come. Where Joni and I were in the same class together. We grew up there. And they used to teach us at MV, you know, uh, the pledge, walk softly in the sanctuary, you know. Oh, that's well and good. It's beautiful, wonderful. And, and I think we should. But sometimes we take better care. We take better care of this than we do of this. We talked about health. That's, that's a part of it. If the Spirit of God lives in me, I can't just eat whatever I want to eat. I can't just watch whatever I want to watch or listen to whatever I want to listen to. Because Paul says, what? Don't you know that your body is the temple? They talked about all of that this morning. Don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And that we violate the Spirit of God when we just do anything with our temples, in our temples. Allow people to, you know, there are some people who do talk a certain way. I, I tell them, you know, excuse me, but, you know, that's a little rough for me. Because the Spirit of God in me lifts up a standard. And so make no mistake about it. We've made a mistake. We've put so much emphasis. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we put a lot of emphasis on education, and, and that's good. I think we should. However, education has its place, and it's not on top. Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better. What was he talking about? What was he talking about? It's okay. I want you to talk to me. What was he talking about? Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Worship. 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 And it was in our Sabbath school class, in our Sabbath school lesson about 15 years ago. How do I remember? Because it's my favorite. Worship. We were, in fact, we were pastoring the Market Street Church in Oakland at the time. And I remember the summary. It said, worship is the heart's response to the presence of God. Hallelujah. His presence. When the spirit of God moves upon you, I'm telling you, and if you fool around and let him in, See, because in the Old Testament, he used people. He did. He came upon people and he used them. But you know what? I am no longer satisfied with God using me. I want him to fill me. Because when he lives in me, and not until he lives in me, can he control me. You ever heard of a song? There's a song. I'm going to tell my husband now. A brown sugar. This is a song he used to sing to me when, when uh, we were dating. You know those oldies? You ever heard of the song, I'm Your Puppet? Yeah. Yeah, he sang that to me. Yes, he did. <laughs> but that's how I feel about God. 
I want to be consumed by him so that everything that I do is influenced by his, his spirit. In the book Desire of Ages, for those of you all who don't mind Ellen White. Hallelujah. See, we use her wrongly. Well, we use her, period. She's not to be used. We are to receive admonishment, admonishing from her. That's why she was given to the church, because he knew we wouldn't be reading the Bible the way we should, and so she's breaking some things down for us. But of her writings, the very favorite of mine is the book Desire of Ages, because it talks about the life of Christ, and he is central. Christ, Christianity, he is central, not Seventh-day Adventism. Christ is central first. I am a Christian Seventh-day Adventist, but I'm a Christian first. We've made a mistake. In the book Desire of Ages, page 324, so powerful. The soul that surrenders itself to Christ, it starts off that way, and I can't, it's a, it's a whole, it's most of the page. I can't really remember it, but when it gets down to the bottom of the page, she says, the only defense against evil is the indwelling of Christ in the heart through faith in his righteousness. There's no other way to overcome sin, to overcome your nature. And we were talking about it in Sabbath school, and the gentleman who said this is, is no longer here. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, maybe he's not used to staying in church that long. I don't know who he is, but I saw him from behind. And we were talking about how do you get to this place with God? They were talking about that. He said the Holy Spirit was one, and he said surrender. And that's it, people. It's very simple. Sometimes we, we make it difficult. We make it, if it's so simple, why is it so hard? Because we make it hard. You know, we, we think that the, the, the more Vegilinks we eat and, you know, the longer our dress is and the, the less makeup we wear, I'm, I'm just keeping it real. I'm keeping it real, and I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not employed by the conference. So, you know, <laughs> hallelujah. My husband is, bless his soul. Praise God for the, for, for, for the income. Praise God. It's not about that. If you let Christ come in and live in here, in this temple, he will tell you what to do. He will tell you what to eat and not to eat, what to wear and not to wear, who to talk to and who not to talk to. He will tell you. And when we orient people to our church, we must show them how to have a relationship with Jesus. See, because I'm going to be honest with you, the doctrines that we teach... If those doctrines get in the hands of people who are not converted, it's dangerous. Because we will beat you down with it. Beat you down to a pulp. But that's not the way that, it, that, that, that it's supposed to be done. That's not Christ's way. Mary, as she sat at the feet of Jesus, she was showing us what was most important. And if we're getting up in the morning before we go to work or before we go to school, and we're not falling on our faces before God, shame on us. At the feet of Jesus, there is joy. So no matter what you're going through, 
if you know how to sit at his feet, because see, Mary's experience with God, he had, he had delivered her time and time and time and time again. And so she had an appreciation. She knew where her power was. It was at the feet of Jesus. Even sometimes, you know, we can read the word of God. But if we read the word of God without the spirit of God, we become critical. It's dangerous. The word of God and truth in the hands of somebody who's not converted and doesn't love Jesus is a dangerous thing. But if you want Jesus, and if you love him, and this word gets a hold of you, and his spirit gets a hold of you, I'm telling you, you can turn the world upside down. The disciples turned the world upside down without a budget. You don't need money. All you need is the spirit of God to take control of your life. I want us to look at at Haggai, the book of, of Haggai. It's a book that a lot of times uh, gets overlooked. And one morning, it's very short. It's only about three chapters. One morning, I got up to do my worship. And I opened up the book of Haggai. And I myself was I was just amazed because God was speaking to me. You know, before, when somebody gets up to speak, if the message hasn't touched them first and convicted them first, they shouldn't be up speaking it. This is for me, y'all. I know that I need God. I need him more than ever before. I need him. And when somebody gets up to speak, it's not because they don't need him. Now, I, I really need him because I can't find the book. Okay, here it is. Hallelujah. See, you know, the chapters that you read the most, they just fall right open, don't they? But God gave this to me, and this is rich. Now, it's kind of tough, but he gave it to me first. It it, it beat me upside the head first, so I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to begin reading in verse 2. The book of Haggai, chapter 1, beginning with verse 2. The Lord Almighty said to Haggai, these people say that it is not the right time to rebuild the temple because God had given them the command to rebuild the temple that was destroyed. Verse 3, the Lord then gave this message to the people through the prophet Haggai. My people, why should you be living in well-built houses while, while my temple lies in ruins? Don't you see what is happening to you? You have planted much grain, but have harvested very little. You have food to eat, but not enough to make you full. You have wine to drink, but not enough to get drunk on. You have clothing, but not enough to keep you warm. And workers cannot earn enough to live on. Can't you see why this has happened? Now go up into the hills, get lumber, and rebuild the temple. Then I will be pleased and will be worshipped as I should be. You hoped for large harvests, but they turned out to be small. And when you brought the harvest home, I blew it away. Why did I do that? Because my temple lies in ruins, while every one of you is busy working on your own house. That is why there is no rain and nothing can grow. I have brought drought on the land, on its hills, grain fields, vineyards, and olive orchards. 
on every crop the ground produces, on people and animals, and on everything you try to grow. That's a powerful word. Now again, this is the Old Testament. He said you are so busy working on your own house, making it beautiful, and my temple is lying in ruins. The spiritual application is, yes, we are working on our own houses. We are working on our churches through church programs. We are working on our houses, refinancing so we can get bigger and better. We are getting bigger and better cars. We are going to school to get bigger education so that we can have the bigger job and so that we can make the bigger money so we can buy that bigger house and that bigger car. But the temple that we need to be concerned about now is this temple. This temple. What are we doing, people? God is saying the reason why, if you're having trouble in your life, and it seems that there's no end, there's no end to it, it's because God is trying to speak to you, my sister and my brother. He allows trials to come to us so that we can understand, okay, God, I give. I'm ready to do it your way now. See, God, he, he loves us, people. He does not take joy in allowing trouble to come to us, but he knows that that's the only way he can get to us, is to allow trouble to come to us. But when we allow the Spirit of God to come in, it's beautiful what he, what he can do. I want to give a testimony. I'll have a couple of them before I'm done, and I'm almost done. A few months ago, I was in a beauty supply house, and I picked up a flyer. And there was a lady who had placed her flyers at the beauty supply house, and she said, I do braids and weaves, and, you know, we black women, we know what those are. So I picked it up. I am a licensed hairstylist, and, you know, I had some interest in business, and so I picked up her flyer. And I went home, and I held it for a few days, and I, it, was, it was actually my briefcase, and I was taking some, something out of my briefcase, and there I saw that flyer. And I said, well, let me call her. I'm ready to do something different with my hair. And so I called her, and she said to me, she said, ma'am, um, I'm really not in a position to, to do any hair right now. She said, in order to do business, I have to have a phone. She said, and my phone is getting ready to go off. And so I'm not going to be able to help you. And I said, well, what, how much do you need for your phone bill? And she said, excuse me? And I said, well, how much do you need for your phone bill? And she said, well, I need $10. I have, I have the rest of it, but I need $10. And I said, well, I'll give you $10. And she was quiet on the phone because, I mean, she didn't know me. I didn't know her. I'd never seen her before. And so she said, you will give me $10? I said, absolutely. And so I said, well, where do you live? And she said, I live in Moreno Valley. And I said, well, I, I don't know that I can get to Moreno Valley. So anyway, I, I went to Walmart, and I wired her $30. I called her, gave her the reference number. And I talked to her, and I said, you know, I don't know why I'm talking to you. I said, but obviously God is calling you to himself. So whatever, whatever you're going through, God is speaking to you. She was just crying on the phone, just weeping on the phone. And so from that, we have developed a relationship. I spoke to her last night, and I've, you know, I've helped her a couple of other times. And now she is beginning to 
open up and to tell me how God had called her to ministry and how she had fallen off of the wagon and how she wanted to get back to God. And I said, I knew there was a reason why. But see, that's what it's all about. The only way that God is going to be able to use us is if we, his spirit, if we allow his spirit to, to live in us so that he can do whatever. There are people in this community who need you. But they can't get God if you don't have God. You can't give what you don't have. If I take an orange and throw it out in the street, it's going to yield orange juice, not apple juice. If you need apple juice, don't get an orange. The same with you. Whatever's inside is going to come out. And that's why if the Spirit of God is not in me, if you slap me, I'm going to slap you back. But if the Spirit of God is in me, I'm going to pray for you. All the troubles that we have in our churches is only an indication that people are not born again. Make no mistake about it. If you're always making trouble in the church, always fussing and fighting in the business meeting, in the board meeting, it's because you're not converted. It's plain and simple. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the Bible says, and they'll know we're Christians by our love, people. We got it wrong. We've made a mistake. It's not by our veggie our chocolates, by our doctrine. It's not by that. It's love. And love is a fruit of the Spirit. Society would have you to believe that there are three loves, right? The Eros love, the Phileo love, the brotherly love, you know, the love between husband and wife, the Eros love, and then the Agape love. That's man-made. There's only one love, and that's the love of God. And it's a fruit of the Spirit. You can't get it any other way. And I believe that our biggest downfall is that we are trying to be Christians without Christ in the heart, as she said. We're trying to do it without the Spirit. And that's why we keep falling on our faces, and we can't overcome our weaknesses in our, in our flesh because we're trying to do it through programs. Got to get a seminar going, you know. Got to read a book on this. And there's a lot of good books. There's a book I read called Families Where Grace is in Place by Jeff Van Vonderen. You have that book, BJ? That is a powerful book. But it leads you to Christ, as this does. So whatever God, you know, can use. But we must understand that let's, let's stop the madness. Remember Susan Powder, the lady who lost all their way? Stop the madness. Stop the madness. We cannot do it without the indwelling of Christ in the heart, the Holy Spirit in the heart. Before I close, I want to tell you how God explained this to me about the Spirit of God and my need for the Spirit of God. See, you know, I'm learning to pray. When I pray, the greatest of our needs is the Spirit of God. I don't need to ask him for gas money. Now, that's me. If I don't have gas money, I just, Lord, I need more of you. I need more of you. More about Jesus, I would know. More of his love to others show. More of his saving fullness, see. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus is what I need. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, it begins saying, Ask and it shall be given you. Does it not? You're a very familiar text. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. The thing about it is that 
what is it that we're asking for? Some people think that that text is talking about ask for a new house and a new car. It's not talking about that. When he gets down to the, to the end, he says, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to them that ask him, right? Some people still can think that. Let's, let's look at Luke chapter 11. Luke's version of this very same text really tells the truth about this. And we're going to be closing. Just hold on. Luke chapter 11. Let's look at Luke's version of this. He starts out, ask and it shall be given you the same way that Matthew does. But when he gets down to verse 13, it says in my version, as bad as you are, you know how to give good things to your children. Here it is. How much more will your Father in heaven give what? The Holy Spirit to them that ask. That's what he's talking about. Not the house and the car and the gas money and the job. It's not talking about that. It's getting down to grassroots. He's letting us know that our greatest need is for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because when we have him, we have everything that we need. You all know that I married my husband. I was 23. He was 37. He had six children, was raising them alone. I had none. People called me a fool. I said, that's okay. I love him. (laughs) And 27 years later, I still love him. Hallelujah. (laughs) Only God could do that. I I, I love marriage. I'm passionate about it. I I love what I saw today. Those flowers that he gave gave you, Diane. Love that. Married him with with the, the young children, and we had two more children. But you can imagine, you know, that there was a lot going on in the house. And, and, and my stress began to build at one point. And I said, Lord, I need you to give me some patience. I need patience because, you know, I, I was raising my voice a little bit with the kids and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> just, trying, just trying to deal and cope with things. And I said, Lord, give me patience. And one Sabbath, we were pastoring the Seaside Church, and my husband was up preaching. And the Spirit of God, I had had an altercation with, the, with our oldest daughter. I got mad, and I said, I told her to leave and don't come back. And I felt so bad about it. And I went to church that Sabbath, and my husband was preaching, and the Spirit of God began to speak to me. And he said, you know, you've been praying a prayer, and you've been asking me for patience. And he had given me a text, Psalms 119, 165. It says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I said, God, that's what I need. I need to be in a state where I, regardless of what is going on around me, that I can have the peace of God. And he told me that Sabbath, he said, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you, but he said, before I give it to you, I need to explain to you, you've been praying the wrong prayer. And I said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, starts off, and the fruit of the Spirit is. He said, long-suffering, patience, is a fruit of the Spirit, honey. You can't get it any other way. And so here I am thinking I can ask God for these, you know, I'm grabbing, you know, what I need. I need to love this person. No, you need my spirit to live in you. Because when I'm inside of you, you're going to love, you'll be gentle, you'll be meek. And and let, let me say it like this, people. If you're always jumping off the handle, 
If you're uh, uh, judgmental, not loving and compassionate to people, it just means one thing. The Spirit of God does not control you. He might use you from time to time, as I told you, as he did in the Old Testament. But we now have the privilege for God to live in us. It's a great privilege. And so my message today is very simple. Our need for God, for the indwelling of his, his spirit in our lives, is our greatest need. And that is what we should pray for and beg God for every moment of every day. When we do that, it won't be so hard raising those young children. It's hard, ladies, mothers, trying to mold the, 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 the characters of these children and dealing with them. We have a lot of things. You know, I'm going through menopause, another state in life that we go through. But when the Spirit of God is in you, he helps you through all of these periods in your life. The subduing presence of the Spirit of God is what we need. And so I'm going to ask you, I was going to do something, but I'm not led to do that. I'm just going to ask you if there is something before I pray. In fact, um, yes, before I pray, you might, there might be something in your life that is holding you back from having a full relationship with Jesus Christ. Something, a habit, Perhaps something has happened to you in your childhood that haunts you that you need to give over to God. Maybe you have fought with someone here today, someone who has hurt you, someone you just don't like. And you need the Spirit of God to resolve that in you. Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's your spouse. Perhaps it's your child, whatever it is. Understand that God can resolve it. He can resolve, not only can he resolve it, but if he can't, it can't be resolved. That marriage, let me say something to you. The Bible says, what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. God doesn't put everybody together. I'm done with that. I just wanted to say that. Sometimes you, when you wonder why it's, it's so hard, you didn't obey God in the first place. But guess what? If you obey him now, he can make that thing good. See, that's what I love about God. He specializes in making the best of it out of the worst of it. And so today, whatever that thing is, and everybody has something, I'm, I'm standing here for myself because there are some things in my life. Thank you, sister. Will you, would, would you play something? You know, maybe you might have a want to hit it from the top, uh, uh, something, you know, to close us out today. But think about it. Everybody has something. What is it in your life that you need to give over to God? If you don't have the faith that you need, you're not temperate in your health, you don't read the word of God the way that you should. You don't pray and worship him the way that you should. You put other gods before him. You know, in order to break the commandment, you have to break the first one that says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's what we do. We put other things before him. He wants first place in our lives. First place. He doesn't want our spare time. He wants our precious time. 
And now that all of my children are grown, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love them. I love them dearly, every one of them, all eight of them. I love them. I can't tell you how much I love them. They were gifts from God to me. And see, God knew that I, 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 I never, I said, I'm not having any children when I was 12 years old. Does God have a sense of humor or what? He said, oh, no, you need some children because I want you to grow and develop. And there's nothing like motherhood to grow and develop. It's a privilege. God gave us ladies to have children, to bear children. Do you know that we are like God in that we are procreators? He chose us for that. And so I'm going to ask you, Come on up here and let's, let's, let's gather around and let's pray and ask God to remove from us. If there's something, maybe, maybe, maybe you're all right. I'm not. If there's anything in your life that you need deliverance from, I want you to come.
Thank you, Lord. We, your children, gather with our hands clasped together. And we're saying, rest, Jesus, upon us. We need you, Lord. That's why we're here. We need you. We have so many hang-ups, so many weaknesses in our flesh, God. So much baggage. But we leave it at your feet today, God. And we ask you to have your way in our lives. Remove from us those things that separate us from you, Lord. Remove from us, Lord, anything that will keep us from being close to you, Father. So that our prayers, when we pray, they will ascend like sweet incense to the throne room of God. And the servant of the Lord tells us that when we pray, that you take our prayers and you put them in a censer and you mix them with your blood and you give them to your father because you love us and that's why you came and you died. And so we leave our burdens here. Help us not to take them out with us when we leave, God. Whatever they are, the sins, the habits, the lusts, the jealousy, the envy, Lord, the the fornication, the adultery, the putting other gods before you, the lying, the gossiping. Take it away, God. We love you, Lord. We, We do, but we have these weaknesses in our flesh. And so we're saying now we want you to take them away. So we give them to you, each one. And as, Lord, I raise my hand to, this, to these congregants and go across, Lord, I pray that you will do the same. As I symbolically, Lord, reach out to them, I pray that, Father, you will do the same and that you will reach into the innermost depths, the recesses of their hearts, and that you will kick out the sin and, and the weights that does so easily beset all of us, God. So that we can run this race with patience. Because we know that soon and very soon you're going to come to take us home. And we want to be ready, God, to meet you when you come. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we've had to worship here together. We love you. We praise you. And we can't wait to see you when you come. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and give thanks. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you so much for that wonderful word and that wonderful reminder that is God that lives in us. Somebody ought to say amen. I just want to say on next week, um, I want to encourage you all to be in the house of God for worship. On next week, we're going to have a wonderful musical. Somebody ought to say amen. We're going to be ministered to on Uh, And so we're looking forward to that on next week. We know that God is going to bless us in a powerful, powerful way. To all of our board members, we want to let you know that on tomorrow at 11 o'clock, what time did I say? All of our board members need to be here for board meeting 
at 11 o'clock. We've got some work to do, and we want to encourage you to be there. Uh, did you have a wonderful Sabbath today? Have you, were you blessed? We want to thank all of our, our women leaders and, and the women committee, amen, who put this wonderful, wonderful program together. Sandra. Let's stand for the benediction. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we have heard your words. We have been blessed. We have been empowered. As we come right now, we pray that you may take our hearts. Because it's really, that's where it starts, in our heart. Take our thoughts, Lord, because very soon our thoughts will become words. And soon after that, we know our words will become actions. And those actions, Lord, will turn into habits. And those same habits will really become our characters. And Lord, if we're not careful, that's our destiny. So we pray right now, you may change our hearts and bless us as we leave this place. We pray in your son's name. Amen.